Oh, good morning. Good morning. Mm, <laughs> Let's try that again. Good morning. So good to be with you here uh, at Asbury, and I want to thank you for your prayers. Um, not only um, were you looking forward to this, but I've been looking forward to this for a long time, Tim. Uh, we have negotiated back and forth. My schedule has been uh, so crazy that I'm not even in control of it at all. In fact, I don't even enter dates on my calendar anymore. My, uh, my secretary does that because she is much more proficient in it than I am. And um, she has been negotiating with me about coming to Asbury for a couple of years, and we've been able to finally do this, and God knows I've been wanting to be here. So it's not been because I did not want to be here, it's just really been a calendar itself that has uh, sort of dominated my life. And finally, I just said, let's just make it happen. Let's just quit trying to do it and make it happen. And I'm glad to be here. In fact, of the matter, I was reminiscing with Trey Harper, who uh, is here with me. Trey is our director of spiritual leadership in um, the Mississippi Conference. Trey, will you stand just so everybody will know this? this is... And um, the, the interesting piece about, uh, about all of this is how much uh, we are indebted to you here at Ashbury for the wonderful students who have become elders uh, and deacons in the Mississippi Conference. And it's been a tremendous blessing to us. And we want to thank you uh, for the work that you have poured into their hearts and the ministry they have in turn poured into the Mississippi Conference that have blessed us tremendously. And we're looking forward uh, to taking back home, amen, <coughs> to Mississippi, those whom we have sent you, amen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't play about that, amen. I'm serious about taking them back home. We're already making plans as to where they can serve and uh, be a blessing as well. I want to thank you also for the worship experience us for uh, this morning. It has just enriched my soul and my heart. Uh, we bishops, um, uh, contrary to popular opinion, we do love to worship. Amen. <laughs> and I've enjoyed uh, thus far all that has gone on, uh, particularly this singing. But, and I just am one of those crazy uh, United Methodists. I kind of like um, the schizophrenic nature of Methodists. Amen. <laughs> I, I don't, and I don't get offended by it at all because we are, we're kind of uh, schizophrenic. And, and, and in a sense, and I hope the, the praise group didn't, doesn't get offended by this, but, but did you notice how easily we move from that praise song right into that, that hymn? Did you notice that? Um, a kind of, uh, of uh, something that some of my churches could learn, amen? <laughs> Rather than arguing over whether it's praise music or hymns, why not just enjoy the fact that uh, the words and the music are not really meant for you anyhow, amen? Uh, <laughs> they're really meant to give praise to the Lord, amen? Let's give him a hand clap for you, come on. Let's give it up. And so that kind of schizophrenia that's, that's there, and when we forget about it's not really about us and it's not about trying to please us, it's really about pleasing the Lord. But the peace that 
that, that really touched my heart. And I've heard this hymn so many times. It's amazing how a hymn, uh, or even the scriptures sometimes, speak to you in a fresh and new way. Uh, that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Uh, sin had left a crimson stain. He washes white as snow. And then you came back with that, uh, that peace. And I, I get thinking to myself, um, not only did he pay my debt, but that he pays it for a real Wesleyan person every day. Because we are going on, amen, to perfection. And, and, that, and that Jesus is perpetually, Lord have mercy, paying our debt. And, and the beautiful thing about it is that he doesn't get tired. Your, your credit doesn't run out. Oh, come on, y'all. You keep messing up, and, and he said, that's all right. I, I, you know, it's, it's sort of like, I got this. You know, and that's why, for me, God is more like, um, it's more like grandfather than father. Uh, as a grandfather of 15 children, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Uh, grandparents are always much more forgiving, amen, than, than parents are. Because we have learned that a child is no longer an expression of us, amen. We've also learned... Uh, that it really didn't take all of that. It just took a whole lot of loving. Amen. And when you become a grandparent, uh, it's amazing. That which offended me by my children when they were my children doesn't offend me at all when my grandchildren do. <laughs> Not at all. And in fact, what you're doing right now, the laughing you do, that's what me and my wife do. When our grandchildren do it, we just go to laughing and our children look at us all exacerbated, exacerbated with us. And they, you know, and they, they accuse me of not, of somebody having come and stolen their mother and father in the deliverance. But, but God is more like, to me, grandparents than God is father because God is so uh, loving and kind and God just loves me into being uh, the person God wants me. So he pays my debt. Thank you. Not paid it all, but is paying it. Oh, as young folks are paying it forward each and every day. And the scripture uh, that was read in your hearing um, for this morning uh, from 2 Timothy. I, I hope when you have spare time, because you know, you're just students, you've you got spare time, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> and professors, I mean, you, you, I mean most, most of the professors, you got time. Go back and read this, because... This, this second Timothy, in fact, Timothy uh, itself, both the first and the second Timothy, to me is very interesting because as I look at it now from, from where I am now in life, um, uh, as one who, uh, who sees myself more as a mentor and as one who apprentices more so than one who is being apprenticed, but I know that still is happening. But because of age now, I see myself as trying to make sure that when uh, 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 the clock strikes and, and the church says to me, uh, you are in the retired relationship, and so you're no longer required to work, amen. You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, you need to make sure that there is some person some bodies 
who can carry on the work of the church. Uh, and, and so as I look at Timothy, uh, in a true sense, I, 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 I really believe in both of the writings, the first letter and the second letter, what we are privy to is personal conversation that Paul is having in print with someone to whom he is passing on his legacy. Somebody say legacy. Someone he is willing to make an investment in. Uh, he, he believes that if I can somehow invest in this young man, I can uh, produce a higher yield for Christ in him even more so than what was produced in my own life. Everybody wants to believe that. Amen. You, you should never, ever believe that you are the sum total of what God has to offer. And that the whole Christian movement is dependent, Lord have mercy, <laughs> upon you. That, that you ought to believe there is always one greater than you who is yet to come. Amen, y'all. I mean, the whole, the whole, uh, to me, the whole uh, concept of Asbury Theological Seminary is that uh, those who have invested in Asbury believes there is always one, two, three, four, five, a hundred, a thousand more, ten thousand more who are coming who are greater than those who have gone before us. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise in this place. We, we believe that there is a greater yield that is yet to come. In other words, if you think the church has been great, we ought to believe that you haven't seen anything just yet. The best, come on y'all, is yet to come. And, and Paul is trying to tell Timothy, I'm, I'm pouring into you because I believe even though I had a magnificent experience on the Damascus Road, you're going to have an experience even greater than I had. That takes a great deal of humility, Paul, to believe that, and even more, to practice that. He wanted to have a high yield out of Timothy. So he pours everything he has into Timothy. And as you begin this, this academic year, my God, some people have poured into you. Let me, let me see the hands of you who this is your first year. I mean, this is, this is the, Lord have mercy. You, you, you have big eyes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Hands up again, let me see. Yeah, your eyes are big, amen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and see, you, 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 <laughs> Lord, you, you came with great expectations. In a time, sort of like Dickens, uh, in the Christian world, when it's the best of times and seemingly the worst of times. 
and yet you came in anyhow. Let's give these new folk a hand, y'all. Come on. Amen. Right. You, you came anyhow. But everybody was saying and forecasting the doom of the church. You know, it, it's amazing. I, I met with a congregation not too long ago that wanted to leave, just wanted to get out and go. And, said, and I said, why? I said, well, with all the noise going on in the church, we can't make disciples. And I just laughed. And they said, why are you laughing, Bishop? I said, because I'm so glad. A couple of months ago, we had a youth gathering, and we had uh, almost 2,000 young folk who gathered. And, and of the 2,000, 400 did not know Jesus. But when they left there, they knew Jesus. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on. And I, I, I said, so I'm, I'm glad that they didn't get the same memo you got. <laughs> and I'm glad those of you who are new here today didn't get the memo that I've been hearing about the demise of the church. Amen. And I'm not just talking about the United Methodist Church. I'm talking about the church, period. That folk are forecasting the demise of the church. But for those of you who've come today, it's because somebody believed in you enough to pour something in you. And they invested themselves in you enough that you have come here today to say, I'm not just coming to play around with these studies and, and to learn the Bible and to learn social sciences and all the other things I have to learn here. I'm coming today that God might produce a high yield in me. That's why I'm here. I'm not here to play games. I didn't come here to play games. I came here because God has laid God's hand on me. And I know if God be for me, who can be against me? Hey, can be against me. That's why I'm here. Somebody believed in me. And so I'm here. I just love that Paul was looking beyond his day and his time and pouring in to Timothy said to him look 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 young man it's not enough to just get by my, my former pastor and when I acknowledged my call to ministry he used to love to say this he said the real problem with the church today it's what he called, too many of us are infected with what he called uh, a that-a-do spirit. You probably not have heard of that. In other words, we do for God only enough to get by. What is, what is a passing grade at Asbury? What's a passing grade? A D. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> So 1.0 average, that's what it is? That's 1.0? That's what you want? I, I'm just asking a question. You, you, you just want to get your union card? You, you, just, you just want to be able to walk up to a church, if it's a call church, and say, I, look, I got my, my MDiv and so now you can hire me. What if they call back to Asbury? 
I said, now what did they really make in preaching? Well, they took it about three times <laughs> to get by. And finally, the homiletics professor said, well, Lord, I'm just tired. They, they wore me out. I mean, what if they called back to, to find out if you really, truly acted as if you wanted to learn? Is that what you want? Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to do the best you can. I want you to excel. Not simply so you can say that I graduated summa cum laude. No, no, no. I want you to do the best you can because you serve a Christ who gave all that he had for you. it all every drop of blood that was shared at Calvary was shared for you don't just don't just try to get by while you here in fact don't be like Alan Iverson practice not a game not a game not a game Practice. Let me tell you something. You preach on Sunday morning the way you practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If you don't put anything in, won't anything come out on Sunday morning. If you don't study like you ought to when you get up in the pulpit on Sunday, nobody will believe your Witness, oh, bless God's holy name. You gotta put something in. You pick something out. You gotta give God your best. You've got to give Him your best. That means sometimes not decaf coffee. <laughs> Y'all get my drift. Fix me up, fix me up. Well, fix me up. What up, what up, what up, what up. Here it is, I found it, I found it, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't be afraid. My wife is not jealous, she knows. She's not worried about that at all, amen. She wouldn't let me travel all over the world if she's worried about that kind of stuff. But listen, listen, you've got to give God the best you have. Every moment is preparation for the next moment. There are things in your life that you will do that sound and feel as if it really will not contribute at all to your actual ministry that you will be doing when you leave. What a difference it will make. And how it will contribute. I was just with a young man the other day who was running one of our, our extension ministries in Meridian, Mississippi. 
where he went to a place that had a historic reputation of serving children that had fallen on very hard times. And he went in there and just turned that thing upside down. I mean, it is growing and glowing right now. I'm so proud. And he looked at me and I said, what has been the most exciting thing? He said, the most exciting thing is finding out that some of the stuff that I thought that I was involved in that wouldn't make a difference has made a difference here. He said, some people invited me one time to be a part of an interior decoration group. Are you hearing this? And he said, I only did it because I didn't want to say no. Later to find out it was the Holy Spirit because a part of my job now we took an old section <laughs> of this ministry center and we had to redecorate it. Oh, y'all. And we just made a few minor changes. But everything that I did, I learned from the interior decorating class. That's some classes you're taking right now and you wonder why in the world don't they hurry up and get on to the stuff I really want to take. Come on, first year student, give me some dap on it, amen. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. You, why don't we get on to the real churchy stuff that we really got to do? You would be surprised at the things that you need to give your best to that will come back and be a blessing to you in your life and will add to your ministry. No matter how small it looks, give it your very best. And later on, when you think, Lord, you really are theologically trained and you really set to get it done, somebody taught you how to prepare a good a meal with catfish, amen? <laughs> you go into someone's house, you went by to pray for them and find out they hadn't had a good meal and God knows how long. And the only thing they have in their refrigerator is catfish. Come on! And you prepare the catfish, and they don't care whether you pray. They just, Lord, they just want the catfish. And what they're doing, they're thanking God just like the disciples did. That Jesus knew how to catch fish that had money in its mouth to be able to pay their taxes. You don't know how God is going to use you to bless this world. Give God your best at everything. Oh, that you do. Study. and Study to show yourself approved. My son who just finished seminary he, he has, he has an interesting malady that he got from one of his parents, amen. <laughs> he, he, he loves to question 
everything. <laughs> Challenges everything. And his hardest, his, the hardest part about being in seminary for him, he called me one night and he was arguing about something. Me and the professor had a major debate about. And I listened. And I listened. I was driving. It was fine because I had about a six-hour drive. <laughs> and he was arguing with me. I, Jason, I wasn't arguing with him. It's been years since I've been in seminary. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. Amen. <laughs> I, I couldn't argue. Pro or con, he's just going at it. So finally he said, well, you're not saying anything. I said, well, first of all, I, oh, the way you're talking, I can't get a word in edgewise. I said, but, but let, let me ask you a question. He said, well, I said, do you think that that's going to be on the test? Because you're going to take something later on, right? Prove whether or not you, you heard the man, right? He said, yeah. I said, Give him back what he said, and then you could put the commentary that you just gave me. I said, well, I said, yeah. Let him know at least that you, you paid attention. Listen to what he had to say. Now, I argued with professors when I was in seminary. You did? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I argued with them, and then years later, I found out they were right. Amen. <laughs> You did? I said, yeah. I said, I did. I found out that they, they, they were right. I said, because some, I said, you know, I came to seminary with a Sunday school faith, with what somebody taught me in Sunday school. And they told me the best they knew. You know, they had me believing that there was, that the sheep that grazed, that there was a lot of green pastors in the Holy Land. I found out that where they raise sheep, there's not that much green pastures. It's rocky. Y any of y'all been? It, it, that's why the shepherd got to find the grass. That's why the sheep gets, get cut. The head is hitting up inside the wall. I said, but that's what they... They taught me. Sunday school taught me. I thought all of Palestine, I thought all of the Holy Land had to look like, you know, Texas green grass which, where the, the longhorns grazed. I said, that's what I thought it was like. I, I said, because that's what folk taught me. And when they started telling me that stuff in seminary, I looked at them and said, no, that ain't what grandmama said now. I said, so son, just listen to them. I said, give them what they want, and then give them your commentary. They will tell you a little bit about your commentary, but at least they'll say, well, at least you listen. I said, listen, listen, listen. I said, it's all right to argue with the seminary professors. They're not going to get mad at you for independent thinking, but they will flunk you for not telling them the right answers that they, Lord, how mercy, that they're looking for. <laughs> I, I, I said, study it. <laughs> To show yourself approved because they have walked where you haven't walked. Now, should you swallow everything, hook, line, and sinker? No. They want to know whether or not you're doing critical thought. That's what the commentary at the end is for. That see whether or not you're doing critical 
thinking, but you can't do critical thinking if you're not listening to the argument that is being presented. At least listen to what the other person has to say so that critically you can critique that study to show yourself approved, a workman, not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, but you can't rightly divide that which you have not had a chance to study. Oh my God. You're not hearing this. Oh my Lord. God is trying to help you. You're going to have plenty of time. In fact, where is the favorite spot on the campus where y'all gather and have the debates? Because I know you do. Amen. Because we did it. We, we met on the library steps and we argued with each other. And some of the professors were our favorite targets. Amen. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We argued about who knew what they were talking about, who did not know. But here's the thing that, that Paul is trying to say to this young man. Your grandmama poured into you. Your mama poured into you. Your professors are pouring into you. Your colleagues who are in the school with you are pouring into you. Everybody is pouring into you. But most of all, over 2,000 years ago, somebody went to a cross and they hung, bled, and died from the sixth to the ninth hour until it got to a point where they said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit and what you sent me here to do, I have done. I have defeated the enemy and I've loosed the shackles and I've set mankind free. I have given my life for them. And somebody who had the wrong mind rejoiced because they said he is dead. They didn't know the end of the story and they took him down and they put him in a bar or two and he stayed there Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, but all
That's why we do it. We celebrate it because it has dropped down in. <laughs> See, you were worried about the furniture. You should have been worried about the microphone. It's <laughs> right over here. Let's see if that's better. Listen. That's why we celebrate. It is a visible sign. It's eternal sacrifice for you and for me. That we might in turn also not only receive, but that we might give ourselves a couple of things as we to watch communion that I want you to also think about. When you come for communion, you may also want to come and kneel here at the chancel well. This is the place where heaven and earth kiss. Where God comes down, takes your burdens, takes them back to heaven, where they have no more power over you. And there are people who have consecrated themselves, they might pray with and for you. Let us enter into a time of Holy Communion. Think of this as coming for communion. We're also coming. We might be blessed to be our best.